Hi, my name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Hello, Dr. <laughs> hello, hello dear. Wonderful uh, to see you. It's been too long. It's great to connect with you. It has been way too long, Sue. And I've got to tell everybody listening in now and all of the hundreds of people who are on this webinar and the thousands of people on Facebook and elsewhere that Dr. Sue and I are dear friends and colleagues. And just if you don't know anything about her, and I'm sure you all know something about her. She is a master of bioenergetic healing. She's a medical doctor. She has founded numerous organizations devoted to natural health, and she has perfected a method of energetic healing that I think is unique in the world. So I am thrilled and honored to have you back, Sue. And I know we're going to dive very deeply into energy this time and just deconstruct what exactly we mean by energy. Yeah, beautiful. I can't wait to dig in. It is, um, it's always a joy to be in conversation with you, Lynn, of course. And uh, when we start talking about energy uh, and the fact that everything in the world is energy, everything in our entire manifest realm is actually made of energy, either compressed into physical matter or somewhere else on the continuum, um, I get really fired up when it's time to talk about those kinds of things. So you just tell me where you want to go, my dear, and uh, we will dig in. Okay, well, great. Thank you. Well, first of all, I think both of us need to define a little bit about energy because you're using it every day and I'm seeing it every day with our Power of Eight groups. And we're seeing a very different version of reality than what we've been taught, what we've been told. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what you feel when you do energy. What do you mean by that? So it isn't just the energy of vitality that we think of having enough energy to get through the day and that kind of thing. Although that level of kinetic energy is certainly affected when we start dialing into more and more subtle realms of energy. You know, when we look around our world and we see uh, physical objects and exchanging things and, and relationships happening and cars going by and the physical world that we're living in, we're interpreting energy on a specific level of consciousness. And what we're interested in inside of all the work that I'm doing, as well as what you're doing with the power of eight, what we're doing is we're teaching people to dial into a more subtle version of energy. It's sort of like the sense of reading between the lines or feeling the essence of something rather than just describing its physical characteristics, but to also allow yourself to sense and to feel and to perceive. So I'm teaching people how to embody, how to drop into their bodies more so that they can ground themselves more readily, more easily for their own personal um, performance and, and release of anxiety and a greater sense of self and deeper healing, but also to be able to sense and feel a more subtle realm of energy that is really existing beyond our five senses into our sixth sense of existence. And it really dials us into a much 
larger reality that we can draw from, draw information from, draw wisdom up from, draw healing capacities together as we learn how to alchemize all of this within our own physical system. So it's sort of just like settling down a little bit and, and tapping into a greater wisdom. Absolutely. And, you know, tapping into the real reality. I mean, what's so interesting about the convergence of our work is that you're feeling this energy and I feel it too when I'm in Power of Eight groups. And it just confirms what quantum physicists have known for more than 100 years. And uh, I was very interesting, uh, interested in an article I was just looking at today that I had seen before, but I was reviewing, um, called The Mental Universe, which was published in, believe it or not, Nature Journal, which is the most conservative scientific journal probably on the planet. It is the self-same journal that attacked and vilified um, Jacques Benveniste, the, the late French biologist who discovered what is called the memory of water. You know, he demonstrated it in the lab. He showed that water acts like a tape recorder, but he also showed that molecules and molecules in the body have their own unique song, so to speak. They have their, their own unique frequency. And so that the body is itself an energetic organism. But what was so interesting about this article is that he was saying everything in the universe is mental, that it is all energy, essentially. And he was referring to the whole idea that quantum physicists first discovered, which is that things aren't in anything yet that they're all subatomic particles trading energy back and forth. So fundamentally, everything is energy, but things aren't things unless they're observed. And that has such huge implications. The whole idea that we're participants in this reality, we are participants in shaping energy, so to speak. And what I loved about this article is that he quoted a guy called, I think, John James, who was a physicist in the mid uh, 19th, I think it was around 1950, et cetera, and even earlier. And he said, instead of thinking of the universe as one big machine, we should think of the universe as one big thought. And I just love that because it really encapsulates so much of what I see now, that energy is a participatory act. And certainly between observer and observed. And that's certainly what you're seeing too when you're teaching people that if they get into the fundamental essence of their bodies, they are going to discover not, you know, electromagnetic signaling um, or, or chemical processes. They're going to discover what somebody called rhythms in empty space. They're going to discover energy. Mm -hmm. So... Tell me a little bit about how do you get people to tap into that? 
You know, it's uh, it's so fascinating because what we're describing here is that this is a conscious reality. It's, you know, he's referencing this as mental. And what I like to bring into that is the idea of consciousness, not just mental mentality, not just thought, but, but true essence of thought. Like a level of consciousness is comprised of a high of a higher or a lower level of thinking. And when we embody more deeply and we infuse our our own essence into the thought patterns that are passing through the empty space, including vibrational frequencies such as personal experience or a desire to infuse love into whatever we're experiencing. What we find ourselves doing is elevating our level of consciousness and, and thoughts then change based upon where we are sitting. If we're sitting at a higher vibrational frequency, we're able to interpret those patterns that are moving through the empty space in a particular fashion, in a different fashion than we would be able to interpret those same patterns moving through the empty space of our own system at a lower level of consciousness. And so it becomes really fascinating to watch how we are able to elevate our own, the seat that we're sitting in, so that the perceptions that are rising through our system have an opportunity to land at, it, at their highest, so that we can perceive what is possible and we can make it utilizable, we can make it relevant and uh, bring out into the world projects that are needed in terms of what our humanity is experiencing now. So it, you know, it's one thing to think about it like it's all just what we think and what we perceive. But what I have found in working with people over the hundreds of thousands of people that I've been working with over the last, I don't know, four decades or so, um, what I'm finding is when they begin to infuse their own loving presence into it, a higher intention comes into being a higher perspective, a higher ability to perceive something happens. And we start generating a reality that is of a higher vibrational frequency without lifting a finger. It's just how we're perceiving what's happening. Then when we engage as if that reality is true, people respond to us as if it's true. And we start developing relationships and modeling um, experiences that elevate everyone's experience around us. If we're willing to stay the course and trust what's coming from the inner reality, in the empty space within that we can get to know if we learn how, which is what I'm teaching people to do. I'm teaching them how to drop in and raise their vibration so that they can perceive from a higher bird's eye view, if you will, so that what we're turning the energies into is of a creator sort of nature versus a survivor sort of nature. And so it's really fascinating because people have a tendency in my experience, when they live in just their heads, they have a tendency to want to drive their intentions into the world. And if they learn to live down in their body, including their loving presence, their divine love, their unconditionality, but also deeper in their system, combining their lucid awareness and their deep core, eternal, ancient wisdom, when those things start to collaborate together and meld together, by the time that rises to our conscious awareness, it's been altered. It's not us driving something like, I want to manifest this. I want this to happen. This has to be. It's not a push. It's an invitation. It's an offering. 
It's an openness. It's a reality in a realm that we invite other people into instead of trying to push ourselves on other things. And I find that it creates a sustainable way of healing, a sustainable way of being in loving relationships, of dissolving barriers between people that have been cultivated because of two people being in their heads in fight or flight and trying to establish, you know, some sort of dynamic of, of empowerment based on comparison or competition, um, you know, we're, we're done with that. As a humanity, we are ready to evolve to another way of being. And this is why I love speaking with you because we love to dance right in that place where this can come alive for people and it's intended to. And so, um, so I'm finding that the more I get people to anchor within themselves, they depend less upon their beliefs and they begin to depend more upon a relevant now moment, an organic loving presence that is capable of translating the information of the cosmos entirely differently than when we were just here to get our own while the getting's good and to survive and to have one upsmanship as some sort of measuring device about our level of success in the world. Absolutely. And I think what you're talking about, this higher state of being, the being that we all have and we actually feel most comfortable in, isn't that, you know, eat or be eaten mode. It's an altruistic mode. And altruism itself is energy. I love what you said about the idea that it isn't a conscious push, because a lot of people think that intention is an effortful thing. I've got to really focus my ideas and just, uh, I have to hold on to those beliefs. What I have found with my Power of Eight groups and what I teach is essentially a letting go, just as you talk about, because First of all, in the brainwave studies we've looked at, I mean, to my surprise, it, yeah, the brainwave studies on power of eight groups, and this is with power of eight novices, they'd never done it before, they hadn't even meditated before, but the brainwave signatures we found with a team of neuroscientists showed that there was a turning off of the conscious parts of the brain. There was, uh, there was less activity in the right frontal lobes. Those are the parts that are involved with the executive fun functions and also worry, doubt, negativity, and also the parts of the brain that make us feel separate, that keep this eat or be eaten mentality alive. They were mm -hmm. dialed way down too. And I was even surprised to see it look nothing like meditation because I expected that uh, and so did the neuroscientists. We thought, oh, well, this is going to be a signature just like meditation. And it was nothing like that. It was completely almost identical to brainwave work done on Sufi masters during chanting or Buddhist monks during prayer. These were people in that kind of vibration you're talking about, which for me is about turning off those parts of the brain that make us feel separate, that give us that other sense of reality, that sticks and stones level of looking at the world as being separate. And we suddenly enter into what life is really like, which is a total and divine connection. You know, we don't get to experience the field. We all talk about being in the field. Or a lot of people ask me how I enter the field and you don't need to 
you're there. You are the field. There. <laughs> but yes, you're not you. experiencing life like that. And so we suddenly do when we enter into this mode. And you brought up something that's so important in my work too, which is this whole aspect of altruism, the idea of acting from a higher place. And as I say, when I, I looked into this in, uh, I remember in my book, The Bond, I was looking at, you know, was Darwin right? And the overwhelming answer was no, at least that part of him that talked about survival of the fittest, not his words, but the words attributed to him. And it wasn't true. We were meant to be connected. We were meant to do altruistic things. It's important. It's central to our natures. And I found, and this is why I think altruism is an energy. I find most of the time, because of power of eight groups, seven eighths of the time, you're doing an intention for someone else in the group, but that manifests incredible things on you as well. And almost all of the people in my power of eight groups talk about receiving when they were intending for someone else. That's when the best-selling book occurred. That's when they finished the book that became the best-selling book. Or that's when the long-standing illness healed. Or that's when they suddenly got an amazing windfall of money. It's extraordinary. It's like we have all been programmed to experience and receive once we give up and get off of ourselves. Mm. Absolutely. We don't, we don't allow it to stop with us. We allow the cosmos truly to pour through us and on into the continuum that we truly are. We are a continuum that goes from the pure unified field, uh, compressing and compressing and compressing all the way to a funnel, to a channel that, that hits the earth, that rises up inside of a, a toric field measure. In fact, I have an image here that just came to mind. Let me just pop this up here for us to, to show. Okay, a little show and tell here. So unified field compressing into a funnel descends to this physical dimension, hits the earth, turns and rises up and it rises as high as it can go until it recycles and, re and falls, it fountains down around. And then we pick it up again and we are constantly this energy field itself that is awake. We are energy that is awake and we are compressing ourselves here into the physical dimension. And it is within this recycling that this physical body is even built. So we think of ourselves as this, but actually we are this, building this to navigate our way around the world, around this physical experience. And, and so to what you're speaking, uh, when we are in service to another, when we are intending for another, here's what happens. This beautiful unified field does the same process, hits the earth, rolls around, and then it projects itself forward. And that's what we're doing. We're projecting a movie. If this hand were a movie screen, we're projecting a movie onto this movie screen and we're walking into the movie all the time. And so the degree to which we can open here and allow this cosmic version of us to reveal out here into the physical realm uh, is the degree to which we will project that success, that love, that that definition of healing uh, in whatever level of life we're interested in, if, if, whereas if we are not allowing it to move through us and it stops with us because we're still focused on surviving, what happens is we don't get replenished 
we don't use it up and we don't spend it. We're like hoarding the energy and it bogs down the system. And what happens as a byproduct of that is we never get to express into the world the way that we're ultimately intended to be expressing. So I've seen this clinically for decades, watching people turn their lives around when they would eventually recognize that they needed to focus on loving and giving instead of what they were getting and having. And what would happen is they would receive and have as a byproduct of giving because the flow was allowed to continue. And there are ways that, and this is what I do in, in the circuit building of the energy codes work that I do is teach people how to allow that to move through their system better. If you look at it from a, uh, a, a zoomed in place, this would be that system inside that big toric flow. Most people are functioning like this, where that rising energy moves around things that they've shut down or that they've never allowed to animate in their own lives. They've never trusted themselves enough to go for it. And so it picks up a wobble and this rising energy picks up this wobble, which puts a distortion in the field. And now this person is looking out through the field into a distorted reality. And so they're constantly affirming and getting feedback of their greatest fears or their inadequacies or what's missing or what's broken or what's not right. None of it's true, but it might as well be because it's creating this mental distortion of a mental reality. And that gets pretty painful. So we're teaching people how to, to build the circuitry through those places to restore that flow, to take the wobble out, to really organize and bring symmetry and harmony into the bio field so that we can get the feedback bio um, through epigenetics of a safe environment versus a hostile environment in which we need to protect ourselves and compete to survive. So I love it when we start putting these things together and saying, you know, what happens is we end up realizing it's not that hard. We just have to learn who we really are and what we're doing here. And if we can just allow that to happen, um, it, it wants to express in perfection through us. And it's a matter of letting go of ideas and allowing it to. So what you're saying in your power of eight is that when we start paying attention to other and we're with a heartfelt intention in service to them, it allows us to start refining within our own system unknowingly that flow of energy because our intention is loving and supportive and caring and giving unconditionally, may the highest good be done. Uh, and what happens is we end up supporting each other right back in to the unified reality that is actually true about us. When we're in service to the other seven people in your group of eight, we're actually enlarging the body that we're working with. It's a larger toric field flow. And in such, it takes on a bigger life and every individual in it begins to feel a bigger version of themselves. And that allows them the courage, the power, what have you, to move into life in ways that they couldn't when they felt isolated and alone and as if they were doing these things on an on a, on a individual basis in an isolated fashion as a separate self. It's not true. That's why it doesn't work. So when we move them into a different reality, everything starts to open up. And we become infectious. That's so good, Sue, everything you said. Um, we become infectious. And by that, I mean, you know, the goodness, the healing becomes infectious. And <clears throat> I saw this recently. I just wrote about this today. So I thought I'd talk about this. 
Um, I run three intentions for Israel and Gaza um, and invited people around the world to take part in these live events. And we've had about 30,000 people take part in the three ones that we've done. Now, it was interesting. Right after we finished the third one, we had asked for a ceasefire. We had asked for the release of hostages. That happened. Did we do this? Short answer, who knows? That war rages on. So we're not claiming any great victories. But what is even more interesting, and I want you to listen to the math here, is what happened to the participants? I've been uh, surveying people since I started intention experiments. And these are, for anyone who doesn't know, invitations every so often for my readership around the world to take part in a giant experiment. I work with scientists around the world who will set up an experiment or measure something that we're doing, and then we send an intention to that place. And I've done a lot of peace intention experiments, sending intention to war zones or very violent areas with my audience. And we've run 41 experience, experiments now, and 37 have shown measurable, mostly significant and positive of effects. So <clears throat> only five haven't worked. But with this latest one, so we had 30,000 people doing this. And as I say, since 2008, I've surveyed the participants and I have found that reliably every single time there is an amazing rebound effect. So about 40% of the participants report some sort of healing in their lives. For instance, they heal relationships with their partner or their children or their parents call them out of nowhere and they've been estranged for 10 years or something like that. Um, they get on, they're getting along better with their bosses and their coworkers. About a third claim they have some sort of physical healing, whether it's a full healing or an improvement. Recently, we had a type one diabetic who said his blood glucose is under control for the first time in many years. That kind of thing, the end of pain, all sorts of stuff like that. But even more interesting, is about half of the people say they're more in love with everyone they come in contact with. They're essentially hugging strangers. Now I started doing the math today. So there's a circle of influence that happens when people do this, their lives change. And this happens in power of eight groups, not just intention experiments. Their lives start changing and they start a physical sphere of influence where people are affected by them. They have major changes in their vagus nerves, which is the longest nerve in the body. It controls our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, but it also has a connect and um, love part of it. And it causes the release of the love hormone oxytocin and when that gets activated in this kind of level, we feel more loving toward people we don't get along with, people not like us. So there's this big sphere of peaceful influence that goes on with them. So let's do the math. The most conservative idea is that everybody knows at least 50 people. 
So if you say 30,000 people times 50, you get something like 1.4 million. If you go up to another estimate that we all know about 150 people, that's four point something million. That's half of the entire population of Israel. And if you go with the highest level, which is about, that we all know about 600 people, that's about 8.1 million people. Now, if there is this ripple effect going on between people on and on and on, imagine that. It wouldn't take a long time for us to essentially create peace on earth. So the ripple effect of all of this that Sue and I are talking about is not just a personal healing. You do this, you do this kind of work, you work on an energetic level and you start healing the world. Absolutely. It is an absolute truth that there is a unified field that is the highest vibrational frequency. And when we learn to animate the space in between us, we begin to have this ripple effect become magnified. The way that we can learn to animate this energy between individuals and then therefore impact the entirety of humanity around the globe is to come into an ability to sense and feel as as Lynn and I were speaking about you know early on in our conversation uh, we begin to feel and sense and perceive and then live in and work with a more subtle reality and the more subtle and refined it is the more it permeates everything there is nothing that we are excluded from when we learn to dial into this more and more subtle, refined level of energy itself. It's not the energy level of thinking. It's not the energy level of doing. It is the energy level of perceiving and receiving and being in this intimate and precious space. It's so interesting because we think that we have to think in order to achieve. And actually, if we could train our mind to serve something bigger than itself, something deeper than itself, then it would have a much greater capacity for contributing to an achievement happening by actually getting out of the way, by compressing less and allowing for this flow to happen more readily. And so... When, again, when we are in service, when we are caring about others, when we are also simultaneously learning who we really are, what we really are, and how the mind can come back onto the true self, when we start to put all those pieces together, there truly is no stopping our ability to self-heal, our ability to manifest, our ability to contribute to, on large scale, the happenings inside of our human species, in, inside of that bigger bandwidth that we are all operating in. And so our job is to truly learn how to not be carried away by our emotional states, but to use that energy in a different way and not be locked down by some past experience, but to excavate that and utilize that energy that's been locked down for so long in a new way and allow it to serve and contribute to this awakening process that is happening for each of us all the time. If we let it, it will happen consciously and intentionally and effectively and efficiently, but we have to learn how to do that. And unfortunately, because we weren't raised in the reality of the truth of who we are. So we're here to rediscover that. And by doing so, we learn that we are not the mind, 
but that we have a mind that we created in order to perceive this reality. And we have a body. We are not the body, but we have a body that we have created to navigate this life. So what are we then? We are the soulful essence that has generated these faculties to be able to navigate in this world. And until we get to know that that's who we are, we're not a mind that has a soulful self. We're a soulful self that has a mind. And while that might seem like a simple thing, it's huge. It changes our reality. And once we do, we start living as the field instead of thinking I have an energy field around me or I have an energy that traverses through me. We literally have to learn to identify as this, this pure potential. And by doing so, if we come down into the body, we can more regularly and consistently utilize that information in a manner that can serve uh, ourselves and others exponentially. And so it's a beautiful thing that we are here fully equipped as everything that is required to self-heal and to manifest and to serve on any level that we choose, given the level of consciousness that we can access. And, uh, and I hope everyone can just sigh a sigh of relief that, that it's, it's actually okay. I'm, I'm fully equipped with everything that I need to make a difference in the world. And, and it is not without exception. It is, it, it, I should say it is with, it is not, there are no exceptions to what I'm sharing that every single person has this capacity. And when we start to accept and allow and become curious about that, we begin to magnify that version of us that is so much more expanded than the mental body alone. You know, we try to drive things. I might have another image here that I can use. Yes, I do. Um, this is just a simple little drawing. Layers of our energy field, layers of the bio field, pure spirit, and then descending and descending. The mental body is this red line right here. And then the feeling body or the emotional body, the chemist, chemical body, and then the physical body. And we are this continuum all the way. We think this is who we are, but this is who we are. And our job is to come in and land here fully. And when we do, we start having a much bigger impact on everything because we're starting to animate these energies that are a greater truth of who we are versus just the mind alone. When you, when you look to that system, the mental body is only this line. There is so much more to you than just this line, but this line can edge out all of this. But this is infinite possibility. This is infinite possibility. And if we don't believe in it, if we're not allowing the mind field to resonate and vibrate at a frequency higher than itself, then it starts just depending on itself. And our whole world just becomes mentally driven just from here in. And that's a very limited reality based upon our conversation that we're having here. There's a much greater um, realm that we could be navigating. And, uh, and so I'm hoping that this conversation allows people to, to stir and to anchor and to recognize that we have what it takes. There's no reason for me to be living in my head all the time, worrying about, are we going to be okay? Is, is life going to, is, are these the end times? You know, what's happening? I hear a lot of intellectual conversation about, about this is the end. This, you know, we're like, this is it. And I completely disagree with that. I think we are being offered up the perfect opportunity to really awaken to a greater version of who we are and bring forth some new way of being and thinking and seeing and perceiving and actioning from the inside out 
uh, rather than literally just depending on that separating mind. You know, it's so interesting. The power of the mind can make it or break it. It can separate us or it can unify us. If it just stops doing all the things that it does to separate us, we would naturally be connected. And it's important that we start to learn processes that allow that reconnection to be perceived. We're actually always connected. It's just a matter of perception. Do I perceive my connection to this person over in England or this person in South Africa or this person in Australia? Do I feel it? Can I live in that connectivity? Or do I think I'm here and they're there? They're, they're actually, you know, we're trying to dissolve this illusion of, of space and time little by little for humanity so that we can truly awaken to the power that we have to be a beneficial presence on this planet for ourselves, our own life experience, for our families, our friends, and for those we don't even know, but are still a part of who we be. Absolutely. And I think also what we are saying is, Yes, you are so much more than a batch of chemicals and electrical signaling. You are a miracle and you are capable of miracles. You are capable of miracles in an instant. And I've now seen thousands of them. I've seen people, I've seen people like Lori, who is going blind. According to all of her doctors, she had a detached retina and they could do nothing for her. Her Power of Eight group, she was part of my Power of Eight Intention Masterclass. They did an intention for her. She has 20-25 vision now. And everything they said couldn't happen, happened. I've seen people like um, Tony, who was in the hospital. Um, he, had, uh, he had sepsis, life-threatening sepsis. His wife's group did an intention for him. And a week later, he went on vacation. We see this all the time. And it's not just in health, although there are so many miracle stories. I love the story of Esther. Esther had stage four melanoma when she came to a retreat of mine. And <clears throat> she didn't even think she could make it. She had so little energy. Her, she came with her son. And her group... Um, did an intention for her, I think that first day. And she said at the end of these 10 minutes, that's all it is, 10 minutes, the intentions that we do. It's not a long, long process of priming or any of that. It You dive right into it. Within a minute, there are these major brain changes and heart changes. And she said at the end of the 10 minutes, I'm healed. And... <clears throat> The doctors who gave her about three or four months to live measured her after that week and said there's no more cancer there. And we see this over and over and over again, but not just health, people healing the rest of their lives too. I love the story of Hildy, who had cancer. Her group did an intention for her, and she managed to avoid taking the drug that her doctor said she was going to have to take for 10 years. She no longer needed. But she also wanted to write a book and the intent had been stuck. And the intention was that she'd finish the book and get it published. And lo and behold, she got a publisher. She even got a windfall. She had uh, over 
maxed out her her credit card and was fifteen hundred in debt after taking a a, a, a vacation for herself. <coughs> Grouped in intention. And suddenly she gets a note from the hotel saying, we overcharged you. Here is the money back. And guess what? It was 1500 I see this over and over again. And it makes me understand that there is no such thing as a miracle. There is just reality that we haven't experienced yet. And I see it supersize in a group. And I guess just going back to what you were talking about, Sue, it, this whole idea of moving past that mental self. For me, a fast track is constantly power of eight groups because the effect of intending together somehow moves us past that efforting. It also moves us past the conscious mind. People report extraordinary feelings of being in an altered state. They report even light beings behind them. They report feeling physical effects like, you know, um, uh, uh, goosebumps up and down their arms and a big, deep sense of heat. They feel extraordinary things. And I think it is that fast track to the miraculous because, as I mentioned earlier, we don't get a chance to experience oneness almost ever. And suddenly we do so, and it seems to happen very quickly. And even people with supposedly genetic diseases, had one woman with a, who was born with, without a certain enzyme for liver processes, and she was a candidate for a liver replacement. And she did one intention. She just walked in on a group that was doing a power vape thing and felt all kinds of energy going on, ended up healing her body. And when she went to two different doctors, they said, uh, your liver is normal size, your spleen is normal size. She was completely cured, one 10 minute intention. So let's talk a little bit about how we do this. So you have certain things that you do with people and I do too. Let's tell people a little bit, give them a couple of pointers about how you access this. Mm. You know, one of the simple things that we can begin with is that because we tend to live in our heads, if I'm living in my head, I'm living in the red right here. I'm not in my body. I'm out here in the field itself. And I have a really hard time uh, really bringing the body into some sort of healing state if I'm not even home to help guide it into that. I'm out here on the porch inside of this, the way the biofield is set up. So, so one of the first things that I do is I have people just come home to themselves. I have them drop in. There's an ancient uh, Eastern culture Sanskrit term, or not a term, but the practice of subject and object and subject. And it means coming, it's it's called pratyahara, and it's about draw, withdrawing your senses back into the self instead of constantly being, you know, dispersed into the outer world. Let me explain it this way. When we land here uh, in that, that image that we were showing, we sort of splat and a part of us goes into this dispersed state instead of it remaining contained and us being lucid and awake to the truth of who we are when we arrive, we sort of disperse. And so in that dispersal, we 
externally orient ourselves. We start looking into the outer world. Am I safe? Am I doing the right thing? Do you approve of me? How do I get myself back together? I need your help and that kind of thing. And it's true on one level. And on, yet on another level, we have to come in to gathering ourselves back from the mind and the body and the breath being dispersed in this way. So in embodiment, which is one of the things that I'm teaching people is what happens is we're gathering back. Pratyahara means withdraw the senses back within instead of constantly be referencing other because that leads to comparison and competition and it leads to trying to control or it leads to condemning or it leads to defeat and apathy uh, if someone's a little bit more humble but still stuck in the same situation. And so I teach people how to, first of all, let's just come in. It's a very simple thing. That's kind of the tip of the iceberg with, with what I'm bringing to people, but something that we can, we can do in an instant here, that if everyone would just pay attention to something in the room that is um, not moving, just something that's over there, or pay attention to the doorway in your room. And imagine that there's someone in that doorway who pushes your buttons, who trips your trigger in some way. And, uh, and notice how your energy goes to them. And what that leaves behind is just kind of empty, disempowered feeling. So just literally claim that energy back onto the self. Just call it back home to you. Just gather yourself back. You can still look at the person and you can still be in conversation with them, but they do not get literally the energies that you are. They, they, we get to interface in a way simply so that you can come here and start to stabilize the energy flow that is happening through your own toric field. That toric field is that, that image that we were referencing here that is recycling and recycling, which is the universe as we were referencing, you know, just coming into form. That's what you are. You are the universe coming into form. So if we want to responsibly be able to intend for others in a way that's going to impact them dramatically, we have to bring potency and laser-like clarity to the efforts that we're emanating and the energies that we are, that we are um, projecting uh, in, into our intentions. So coming home to self. So let's do this again. Energy into the doorway, give it away, and notice how it feels in your body. Now call it back home to you and notice how that feels, it instantly will change your vibrational reality. It instantly brings you into a, a greater sense of self. And when that greater sense of self is there, your brain will automatically begin to um, connect between the thalamus and the hypothalamus, opening a little trap door between the two, which keeps us stuck in fight or flight if it's slammed shut. It begins to open this system, allowing us to begin to access high brain centers instead of being caught in the primitive brain. So subject, if I'm on self, it's on subject. If I'm on object, I'm on other. If I'm on the story, if I'm on my past, if I'm on the future, if I'm on another person, I'm not at home. My intentions will be weaker to send across the, the, the ocean or across the land to the, the friends of, uh, of mine that I have if I'm doing remote healing and, and so forth, which I teach people how to do this remote healing in a way of first landing on the self more deeply, more congruently, more succinctly, so that when I do intend for someone, it's more powerful and it's more grounded and it's more integrated. And so a simple thing like subject, object, subject will begin to change the, the effectiveness of what I'm doing when I'm caring for another. Uh, lots of things I could add on top of that, but I don't wanna monopolize the time, Lynn. Um, happy to, but you just tell me where you wanna go next.
Okay. Well, no, I just wanted you to share, you know, a simple, a simple uh, mechanism for people to start understanding what we're doing now. And all of that is really brilliant. Now, for me, what I start with is the fact that our thoughts aren't locked inside our, our brain. And when we talk about thoughts, it's in a big level. It's not just a mental thought. People have thoughts in their body. They have thoughts in their emotions primarily. But most of what I start working with is demonstrating to people how much they're broadcasting. Everybody is like a fire hose. You know, we know that thoughts are not locked inside our heads. The evidence shows overwhelmingly, and certainly my intention experiments, but so much of the work that I've written about in, in my book, The Intention Experiment and the Power of Eight, shows that we our thoughts are trespassers, and they are essentially trespassing into other people and things. And the first thing people learn with me is how much of what they're broadcasting about themselves particularly, but about everybody else is negative and how that's affecting them and how that is sabotaging them. Because one of the things that I try to help people do in my Power Bait Masterclass and in everything I do is for people to become much mindful, much more mindful of themselves in the world. So most of the time we are broadcasting bad news. And that's bad news about us, whether it's anything like, look at my butt looks too big in this, or I hate my hair, <laughs> or I hate her hair, or whatever it is, I'm stupid, I'm going to fail. All of that is an intention, and that becomes your life's intention. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things I show people how to do is how to really tell the universe what you want and to be focused, mindful, and emotionally grounded, loving and emotionally grounded in your intentions, whether you're intending for someone else in your group or yourself. And one of the things that's fabulous about a power of eight group is it gets you past that self, that, that critical and self-harming self, because you're, you're with a bunch of cheerleaders. And I put people in groups for an entire year. And those groups become their intention family. They become the people invariably. I have people who say they are my new family. They have my back. I've received more love, as Jerry put it, last year. He said uh, he took my master class two years in a row because the first time was still in lockdown. And he said at the end of it, the compassion, the caring, that was probably the biggest thing for me. I felt more love than I ever have in my life. Because I think what's really powerful and transformational is working with a group of people who were your strangers. They're not your, who were strangers. They're not your family. They're not your friends. They are a group of strangers you've been put together with. And you see with this group that you can become so connected, so altruistically loving with these people and they with you. And that becomes in itself transformational. We start experiencing our highest value and we experience our essence at the highest level. 
because we all have to step up to the plate. We all have to do this. And all of that petty comparison and jealousy and all of the other things that we live our life with disappears in this circle, this virtuous circle of love. So that is one of the things I try to help people with. And invariably, the group helps them too, to define what they want and to action it, whether they're intending for themselves or anyone else. Yes. And to feel what they want is immensely beneficial at the same time. You know, Lynn, I wish everybody on the planet knew what you knew and knew what I knew. I wish that the whole group could just, you know, come together and learn all of this because when we when we take it into the body and we feel the vibration of what it is that you want as if it already exists, the vibration that you are emanating and telling the universe becomes coherent. It becomes, you become a vibrational match to what it is that you're intending for yourself or what you're wanting. And when we become that vibrational match, there's no reason it wouldn't cross your path. There's no reason that it wouldn't evolve and, and tr truly just emerge in your, in your realm, in your reality. And so, so we want to learn to be aware of what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And, and this is what you're speaking about. These are all the same as thoughts. They're the same as instructions that we're emanating, beaming out into the world. And what happens is we become the vibrational match to that. And so the more conscious we become, the more uh, intentional we are regarding what we're emanating and beaming and what thoughts we're allowing to roll through. And what I find is that if someone will learn to embody, what I'm teaching people to do is to build the energetic circuitry that becomes neurocircuitry to sustain those intentions um, and, and when you're not thinking about them, when you're when you're off on something else, to keep that same energy emerging and vibrating and emanating and radiating out into the field so that it's sustainable and constant and consistent in such a manner that um, it's never ending for people, that some days we have a good day and some days we're like kind of off. And so we'd like the body to be insulating that a little bit and to be serving that emanation, even when the mind is wobbling a little bit. So the mind and the body and the breath working together creates a sustainable way for these energies that we're wanting to master um, to actually have an opportunity to be consistent enough to reveal in our reality. And it's a beautiful thing. So, um, so I love what you're saying that every single thing is a thought um, and it's, it's as if we're just offering up to the universe, you know, these are the instructions. Here's where I relate. Here's what I relate to. And if it's a constant idea that I'm not enough or that this isn't going to happen or they don't like me or it's, you know, I'm going to be excluded and so whatever, then the universe has no choice but to believe you that that's what it that that's what you are choosing of all the things that we could be choosing. So we want to learn, train ourselves to choose wisely and to feel it in the body in such a way that the body can help sustain that, that instruction, even when we're sleeping or even when we're uh, off concentrating on something else and too busy to be positively thinking or positively intending in some specific way. The energy is a reality that is there for you in an ongoing fashion. So it's such a beautiful time to be a human being. Really, it truly is. It's it truly <laughs> is because this old mechanism, you know, didn't serve us well. It got us where we are. And um, and it also didn't serve us health-wise too. So much of 
what was the from let's say the 50s and 60s the betty i like to call it the better living through chemistry period of time where you know everybody believed in the extraordinary possibilities of progress that industrial progress always meant good things and we're now learning that's not the case that's what you know, we're also learning that we are these magnificent beings who can self-heal. And, you know, I talked about, and you talked about epigenetics, and I talked about the vagus nerve. We're not talking about airy-fairy miracles. We are talking about actual physical changes that happen in the body. For me, what I've been looking at a lot is the vagus nerve because it it is a nerve that is attached and makes a pit stop at every major organ of the body. It starts in the neck and it goes all the way through. And as I said, it controls all of that emotional fight or flight stuff, but it also controls connection, love, calm. And one of the things I've been so interested in, because I was wondering with my intention experiments, when I had warring tribes participating, like I did an Arab and Israeli experiment few years ago and had both sides who weren't even speaking to each other participate in this intention experiment. And afterward, they were saying, your God is my God, sending love to each other, having this love fest. And I wondered why and found there's a lot of evidence showing that when that vagus nerve is activated, we feel much more love for people we disagree with, people we're polarized from. So at a time where we need this more than ever, the idea of working in groups is so transformational in your own behavior toward the world. And so that's one of the big things that I want to underscore is that one of the fastest ways to heal, whether you are polarized from someone or whether you've been harmed and traumatized in the past is a group. A lot of evidence shows it is essentially a fast track to healing. Just to round out what's on my website. So I do different levels of courses. So everything from a power of eight um, basic course to uh, new science. I have a course on the new science that I've just released this year. Um, that is kind of a primer of the new science, everything that you really need to know about epigenetics and quantum physics and and all of the zero point field and all of that that is ba the basis of a lot of my work and i do the master class which is coming up in uh as i say in, in mid-february starts kicks off february 17th uh goes on for a year and we i have more advanced courses uh, on intention intentional your intentional future is just coming up for alumni of the other courses. I've got intention experiments. We're going to be doing more for Gaza and Israel. And those, as I say, have extraordinary rebound effects. We'll be carrying on with them. I have an initiative called the Eight Revolution because when looking around and at what's going on at the moment, we realize that the people in charge really don't have much idea about how to heal things. So I decided that I looked at what's going on in the world and realized that pretty much any big social movement, 
started with a small group. And I started to think we need an army of change makers. And then I thought, well, actually, I have an army of change makers waiting there. There are tens of thousands of power vape groups. What if I enlisted them to take some tools I could give them for free and start using them in their communities and start using the power of intention just then and there. And so you'll find on my website, it's the eight revolution. It's free to join. The tools are free. You can find out all about that. And like Sue, I do live videos. I do live conversations like this one. We have a whole bunch coming up. So I invite you all to take a look at lynnmctaggart.com and find some of the tools that you need for a more miraculous life. So we are coming to the end, guys. So yeah. it's uh, always a pleasure. And I can't wait to see you sometime in person. It's been a couple of years pre-COVID, I think, since I, I saw I you know. Yes, yes. We have, we have a, a, a thing that we both belong to that gets together every couple uh, or twice a year. And it's been it's been interesting with COVID happening and all that, but uh, we're getting back in the swing of things. So I look forward to being able to connect with you and give you a hug and and uh, just catch up on our research and share with each other like we always do. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Today, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. And Sue and I, I know we'll be having another chat in the spring on her channel. I think. Yes, so indeed. You'll have a chance to speak with us again. Thank yeah. you, everybody, for listening in on this elongated talk. I hope it's been helpful. Check out both Dr. Sue's website. Tell them again, Sue, where to oh, go. Oh, at drsuemorter.com, D-R-S-U-E-M-O-R-T-E-R.com. And uh, everything you need is there. And if you have any questions, just write us at info at. We have all sorts of courses that we're happy to help you figure out what, what serves in what ways. Okay, so. Blessings to wonderful. you all. It's been wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. And ours is lynnmctaggart.com. Hope to see you there too. Take care, everybody. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.